Why have you chosen brown and gray balloons? They match the carpet. What is that? It is your birthday period. It's a statement of fact. Not even an exclamation point? This is more professional. It's not like she discovered a cure for cancer. I can't believe how bad this looks. Are you trying to hurt my feelings? Because if so, you are succeeding. Fortunately, my feelings regenerate at twice the speed of a normal man's. Welcome to Talking Giants, another episode. My name is Bobby Skinner at Bobby Skinner NFL. Coming to you live from the beach in a camper here with Danny King at Danny King NFL. Danny, how was your holiday today, a.k.a. Daniel Jones' birthday? Uh, it was very good in honor of Daniel Jones' birthday. I got a very nasty sunburn, so that's how I spent celebrating Memorial Day. And also, Daniel Jones' birthday. What, what a legendary day today is. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll talk a little Danny Jones. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's nice whenever I would go up north and visit, like, you know, up to New Jersey or New York, see family. And, like, you just get people looking at you. They're like, wow, that guy's tan. I wonder what his deal is. And it doesn't look like a, a tanning room. So it just it just makes me feel better than people. And everyone knows how much I love to feel morally superior than people. No, and in honesty, um, yeah, we got a little bit to talk about. There hasn't much – nothing's really happened since Friday, but we kind of want to talk about what we expect uh, to OTAs and a few other things. It might not be the greatest show. Like I said, I am in a camper with little to no internet at the beach. Not to brag, I live by the beach, not to brag. <laughs> uh, and enjoying Memorial Day, enjoying a little mini vacation. But we got to get these shows out to you. But since it's Daniel Jones' birthday, I finally finished my Daniel Jones third down deep dive. And I want to talk about that a little bit. Because I remember, like, after I did the threads, obviously I watched every third down, but I wasn't, like, specifically keeping track of third down. But I said, like, in my mind, I was like, man, he seemed, like, really good on third down. And someone was like, oh, he sucked on third down. Look at the conversion rate. I was like, okay. And now, because you challenged me and said that, now I have to go watch every third down, which is I'm glad whoever did that forced me to do it. So I went and looked at it. He, uh, His completion percentage was 54% on third down, which is not good. It's down from his regular uh, completion percentage of 59 um, he did have eight touchdowns, so he had over a third of his touchdowns on third down, which is really nice. So, you know, a few of those were third and goal at the five, but nonetheless, like that's, that's a money down third and goal, like getting, get that's, a, you know, that's either seven or three right there. But the thing that stuck out to me because and his, the drops by the Duke water receivers have been very well, you know, well noted 15 drops on third down. So I did the adjusted completion percentage. So say you count those drops as completions. It jumps at the 70%, which is absolutely amazing. And then in, instead of – and if you don't want to credit the drops as completions and you just remove those attempts, it's still 64%, which is pretty damn good, especially on third down. And they weren't like, oh, like, you know, third and 11, like a two-yard pass, you know, just dumping it down. There was a couple of those. But, like, for the most part, it was, you know, forcing the da- ball downfield. And I tell you what, man, I was really impressed by his third down uh, percentages. No, yeah, it's awesome to see Daniel Jones having a good fair down percentages, and thanks to you for actually doing all the the dirty work and trying to find out all that information. And it just continues to prove that Daniel Jones, even with how not the greatest situation at Duke, he was still able to put up some pretty impressive numbers, and hopefully that will still translate over to when he finally takes over for Eli Manning. Yeah, definitely, man. I, like I said, you know, we haven't talked much about Daniel Jones after we did our deep dive, so it's been a couple weeks. But, like, that kind of just refreshed me. It's like, man, that's awesome. Um, like, because, like, when I just, when you just look at the raw numbers, it's like, man, this is not great. Like, 54% completion percentage on third down. Um, 
but like I said, with the drops, it jumps up to 70% or 64%, however, you, you know, you want to crunch those numbers. Uh, and like the fact that he wasn't like a lot of quarterbacks when it's third and 12, they don't want to sacrifice their stats. They'll throw, they'll just throw a little swing pass to the running back. He'll get two, three yards or they'll, you know, teams will hand the ball off a screen and, you know, Duke did hand the ball off, but there wasn't really any design screen plays on like third, you know, third and eight plus where, which a lot of times teams do that because they don't think they can get it. It was forcing the ball downfield and putting in tight windows. Um, and then like just in the Wake Forest game, like you look at you know that Wake Forest game, people use that, and he did. And he had like his worst throw of the season, uh, or one of his three worst throws of the season was in that Wake Forest game. And you know they lost fifty nine to seven. A lot of people point to that, but you know we you know we did the thread about you know the total of the game. But on third down, his four for eleven, not great. But he had four drops on third down. Like it's just unbelievable. I mean, it did have the lone touchdown of the game on third down there too. Um, so yeah, I mean. The third down stuff is pretty cool. I'll repost that blog tomorrow when people are, or today when people are back at work. I've been holding out a little bit of stuff because, you know, people really aren't online uh, on holiday weekends, and I don't blame them. No, no, yeah. It's, you got to people right now, they're not caring about football. So, yeah, it's going to be people, when people finally see it. I mean, obviously, it'll probably start another topic being like, oh, Daniel, yeah, that he could do that, but what about this? It's always, as I said, it's a never-ended cycle with Daniel Jones. And I can't wait to keep doing it. But there <laughs> were some people online, like 15,000, who saw your Snacks post. Oh, yeah, so I, Snacks took to Twitter on uh, what was it? Was it Sunday? I believe it was Sunday when he yeah, said uh, fans saying Giants fans are calling him a bum and all that. So I was like, come on, guys. We all know Snacks isn't a bum. He put he went out there every Sunday, and uh, he put his whole body on the line. One of the best nose tackles playing the game right now. And I, it, it, a lot of people agree with me, which is awesome to see. Even Snacks responded, and it really opened my eyes to see what he went through, some of the injuries he had. He said, uh, where is it right here? He said he had a left high ankle sprain, still played a swollen left and right knee, a hyperextended left elbow, a five contusion, four jam fingers, dislocated index finger. So it's just insane to see what he played through. Even when he didn't have to, he could have just healed his body, sat on the sideline, but he really wanted to help this team win. So it's just awesome to see that, one, all these people are agreeing with me, even though some of them are Detroit fans in here, just saying Snacks are so lucky to have you, so that's been bothering my timeline. But still, it's awesome to see what Snacks went through and how he helped us and just everyone agreeing. Yeah, and definitely, like, we make a point to not dwell on the – like, we'll talk about it. But like and like and I could rant on Odell, but we, you notice we really haven't talked about like Odell's rants and stuff like that. And I don't plan to. Even Landon Collins, like I've you know I have said some things about Landon Collins, but at the same time he is doing a media tour for the for the softball game. Um, but yeah, Damian Harrison, I said like man, like is there not a more universally liked guy that left the Giants? I mean, I just seem like to do everything right, and I don't want to dwell on it too much. And I, I do think part of it is the vocal minority, like you like, and I can speak from experience, like. You can get all the tweets of support, support, but the one guy is like, man, this guy's a bum. Like, that's the one, like, that's the <laughs> one that you're always going to remember. That's just human nature. You you remember yeah. the negative and not the positive. But it was cool to see that post blow up, and it's still blowing up because old Snacky Snacks replied. So that was pretty cool. And it was, like, almost every, like, Giants, like, publication, like, like got a hold of it, which is always cool. My, my only post where I've, like, where publications or, like, USA Today, like, posted and stuff like that, was funny because I like pretty much called Dan Orvlowski a bum in it, <laughs> and like, oh wow, like there's me calling Dan Orvlowski lazy and a bum in USA Today. Uh, anyways, 
Let's see. What else did? All right. Do you? Are we missing anything before we? What we talk about? What we expect out of OTAs this week? I believe not. I believe it's, it's been a very quiet week, as you know. Yeah, they. You know, they give them the, the holiday off. All right. So. By the time you're listening to this, OTAs will probably be started, although a few people listened the night before. Uh, so we got another three days this week. They gave them a Memorial Day off. And this week will probably be a lot – well, it won't be as interesting because there's not the newness of getting them back on. But I think the content out of – like what we hear coming out of it will be more important because of the first week of OTAs, there's a lot of seniority involved, whereas like, you know, for example, like if the Giants drafted a middle linebacker first round last year, like say they drafted Roquan Smith, Mark Herzlick would have taken snaps before him on the first week of OTAs. It's like they just base it off seniority, or at least the you know Pat Shermer does. Um, you know, we like you know Daniel Jones was like third string to start off, and we all know that he's going to be the active quarterback on Sundays unless something's go some unless something goes horribly wrong. So, one thing I'm very interested to see coming out of it. Is because Corey Ballantyne was at practice on Friday last week, I think it was, either Thursday or Friday. It was Friday. I want to hear about him. I want to know what the deal is. Not the injury-wise, like, obviously. But we've talked about corners moving to safety because we have so many young guys. We have Sam Bale, who's essentially a rookie. We obviously drafted DeAndre Baker, Julian Love, and then Corey Ballantyne, Grant Haley. Uh, he's coming to his second year after, you know, he impressed, uh, like he impressed both of us last year. I want to see what happens with Corey Ballantyne, where they're playing him. And we've, I've, you know, I've been on the train of like, I want to see Julian Love play corner. I think that's where he best fits unless he's going to go be an all pro safety. But I would like to see Corey Ballantyne get some reps at safety because we don't have depth there. And I don't see him getting on the field cornerback wise because we are like, we're already stacked enough, even if we didn't have him. No, you're right. Because obviously, we're not sure how much Corey Ballantyne will be able to do, but I, I believe on it was he participated in uh, just individual drills, which is still a step in the right direction. But as you said, yeah, I want to just, I just want to know what really the plans, not the plans, they're not going to tell the plans, but I just want to know what their vision is for Corey Ballantyne. Do they view him as the, the corner, or do they view him as, as what we both pretty much agree on, that he should at least try the free safety position? So, Corey Ballantyne. Obviously, we're not sure how much he's going to do in these next three days. They may not even risk it. They may just stand for, like, training camp and later down the line. But still, we just want to see how he's doing after all the incident that went down after draft night. Yeah, and at the end of the day, he was, uh, I believe, a six-round draft pick, right? Yes, I believe six-round draft pick. So, I mean, I you know, we don't expect our six-round draft picks to be playing week one unless it's on special teams. I could definitely if – he, if he stays at corner, he'll probably be a guy that's been on the practice squad just because of the sheer volume of corners we have. But we also know the cornerback position that you're usually, if you're on the roster, you're going to get yourself onto the field eventually uh, just because it's a spot that deals with, in, you know, injuries. No, yeah, 100%. As you said, Corey Ballantyne, he, he'll most likely start the season on special teams because really our safety position is kind of full right now with uh, Jabril Peppers and Antoine Buffea going to be holding down that fort so obviously Antoine Buffet is not the long-term answer he's just a holdover so hopefully Corey Ballantyne can pick up some uh some uh knowledge from Antoine Buffet and then once Antoine Buffet is gone he could take over for him yeah definitely all right so what's like a storyline or a player you're you're interested in this week uh I, I say BJ Goodson because the linebacker position as 
we both said, it, it's a very interesting position, and that spot next to Alec Ogletree is, in my opinion, still very wide open. So I want to see how B.J. Goodson will come on and try and hold off the likes of Tay Davis or Ryan Connolly. Yes, Ryan Connolly, he's most likely not going to start, but who knows? Crazier things have happened. So I say B.J. Goodson is a name I really want to watch. Yeah, he really has to be feeling the heat because Tay Davis has been getting a lot of reps, and from you know what we've heard, he's been starting over him eventually. Everyone loves Ryan Connolly as I do well. I think he's a playmaker. I can't. I just can't wait to see him play in NFL games, um, and that's really what it is with all these late round picks. It's like, all right, let's see how they do against the NFL because you know everyone looks. You know everyone who's in the NFL looks good in college, um, and you know I fall victim to it every year where all your draft picks you like have these plans like, oh, he's going to work here, he's going to work here. Except for Chris Slayton, I'll be honest, I have no hope for Chris Slayton. Yeah, um, and even like the undraft, like all the undrafted free agents, I'm like, hmm, this is the way he can make it. Um, except for one guy, I won't, I won't speak bad of him because he did give us an interview. Um, but like when I was doing my, even, like those, there's only two guys where I like really had nothing positive to say about them. Uh, so yeah, uh, like you said, BJ Goodson's got to be feeling the heat. And uh, you know, we talked about it last week. The first week of OTAs, there's a lot of senior. Well, actually, I think I just mentioned that before. Yeah. yeah, I just I already mentioned that the seniority thing where, OK, if Ryan Connolly really impressed and we didn't really hear much about him last week, so maybe he didn't impress. Uh, but like we'll see by the end of this week who they kind of envision as a starter. Obviously, nothing's in concrete. I mean, before until, you know, week three of the preseason, nothing's in concrete at all. Um, but, yeah, like I said, I've been a big Tay Davis supporter. supporter. I, I might be a little biased in that. But, yeah, I, I like Tay Davis. But, yeah, B.J. Goodson could be someone who could be feeling the heat because he could be a, a 53-man cut because because of, you know, the linebackers that we have. Obviously, Josiah uh, Tuafa out of <laughs> University of Tennessee, San Antonio, is a guy we all like. Um, you know, and, like, if it all sounds good to put these guys on the practice squad, but it also is scary to throw these, a, a guy you like on the practice squad because anyone can come claim him at any time. Yeah, 100%. And just two two names that just randomly popped in my head, well, mainly one that I'm just kind of questioning, is Wayne Goldman, because I, I, there was not even a mention of him, I feel like, during last OTA, so I'm not sure what's going on there. So I just want to hear something about Wayne Goldman, because who knows with that running back two position, you got Paul Perkins, Rod Smith, uh, I f- forgot the other guy's name again, the Rutgers running back. What's John, John, Hill- John, John Hillman. Hill- Thank you. That's the name. And also, just Red Ellison because he, he's probably he could easily be a, a cut after preseason because Giants may have the faith in Scott Simonson to take over. Yeah, I don't know how much we can get out of running backs to OTAs, but like you said, that running back two spot really is wide open. I don't think anyone has like a clear cut edge. I think Wayne Gallman has it going into it because he was the number two last year. But Rod Smith, who I've been kind of critical on and I'm not really in love with, like there's no you know there's no saying that he can't like take over that number two role. Um, and then Paul Perkins, who you mentioned the other day where like he was set to be our start, you know, he was our starter going into week or uh, into 2017. I know we don't like to bring up the 2017 season, but he is somebody that this team believed in as a starting running back to go into an NFL regular season with. So like, I know he's been injured and banged up, but like, like I said, like you said, the running back two spot is just completely wide open. No, yeah, and mainly the reason why I brought it up is because, as you said, unless I'm crazy, I did not hear a single mention of Wayne Goldman last week, so I just want to know what he's doing, if anything. Is he injured, or is they just is he doing good that they don't have to talk about him? That's just my yeah. question with Goldman. 
Yeah, and that's what's nice about uh, the first day of OTAs. We'll, we'll get, I guess, today when you're listening or whenever you're listening, Tuesday's OTAs, media will be there, which means I will have a hard time focusing at work because I will just be constantly refreshing beat reporters' Twitter. Um, a guy I'm interested in and I think everyone else is is Eric Dungey. We really didn't hear much about him, although he was working out with the tight ends in a white jersey. He was not wearing the red jersey. I want to hear something about him. Are they letting him run routes? Is he running stuff in team drills? Like I, I just, I know we're not going to figure out how they're going to use him, and like as much like I jealously want to know like how we're going to use him. But obviously, it'd be dumb for the Giants to like, all right, this is how we're we're going to use Eric Dungey in this role. Like you don't you don't tell people that until you know you need it on you know concrete you know regular season games on film. You don't even run that stuff in the preseason. Uh, and they're they're probably only going to do that kind of stuff when there's no media availability or practice because we all know that you know they'll tell everybody, which obviously that's their job. But let's I just want to see how like what they have him doing in practice. Is he is he running post routes um, against safeties and team drills? Uh, you know, like is he taking any reps with the quarterbacks? I just it's just such a huge question mark and an exciting one at that. Yeah, because as we saw last year, Pat Shermer he likes using even his backup or not even a backup like uh, another. It's like it's a Taysom Hill type player. They tried to use Kyle Allen in that one play last year when he blocked for Saquon Barkley. Yes, it was one play, but Pat Shimmer showed he has it possibly, and uh, Eric Dungey favors more towards a Taysom Hill type role. So he could easily be the next Taysom Hill right now in the NFL. And you want to see me complain because I hate when we play Taysom Hill this year. So I wouldn't mind if we have a Taysom Hill of our own. So I, yeah, you're right. I just want to see what the Giants envision for Eric Donger. Yes, don't tell us outright your plan. Just I just want like a little like sneak peek into the vision. Just, hey, Giants, tell me and Danny. I promise <laughs> we won't tell anyone. We're just curious. <laughs> we'll keep it between ourselves and we won't tell anybody. So I know that you listen at Giants. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I always forget that we had Kyle Loletta in at wide receiver on that play. And Pat Shermer's like, this will just be a distraction. And then Saquon reverses the field and now he's the lead blocker. Um <laughs> May, hey, maybe maybe Loletta will be in that Taysom Hill role. Just, just, I'm just saying. You need to find some role because the quarterback is not his future on this team. <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, let's see. Is there any other guys that we are looking at? Safety, we kind of – safety DB. Obviously, DB is good. Like, that was the talk of last week was how competitive the DBs were, how good Sam Beal was. I uh, would love to hear a little more about DeAndre Baker. Um, love Sam Beal, but I'd like to hear – I'd like to hear that our first round guy is doing a little better. Uh, Julian Love, let's see, doing corner safety because if he's going to play safety, I think they just need to commit, like commit to it. Not it's like, oh, maybe commit to it now. Go learn that position um, instead of like putting it in in limbo. Um, and it's a lot easier for someone to learn safety and then come down and play nickel when needed. Or maybe they'll use him as, as like that Honey Badger role or Tony Jefferson role that you know Arizona used with with James Betcher when Arians was still there um so yeah corners uh linebackers o-line d-line like there's re- you really can't learn anything about these guys uh in OTAs you can't really learn anything about o-line d-line until they put the pads on um and if you're learning something about it about them that probably means it's just really bad uh running backs we covered that uh did someone ask us about the fullback role in the in the Twitter questions, or am I just thinking of something? Because I actually would like to talk about the fullback a little bit. Uh, I don't remember people talking about the fullback, but the fullback is still an interesting position either way, even if it wasn't as I'm looking, because you got Elijah Penny, who I believe is a competent uh, fullback. So Yeah, I, he's I, good. I gave and, him unnecessary hate because our fullback going into the season last year, Shane Smith, 
Nah, yeah. Like he 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 was like a friend and helped me out a lot with Simple Fan. Um, and I remember that was probably the mainest I ever was on Twitter, because um, like he was getting cut the next day, and everyone was like this bum. Um, and we had just done with stuff with him, and I was just like telling people to go like step off a cliff because they were talking <laughs> bad about Shane Smith. That was the meanest I ever was on Twitter. Like I was just going off on people, and people were like, "Well, this is this Shane Smith's burner account." I got that a few times. Uh, much love, Shane Smith. Uh, I love you too, Elijah Penny. No, but because I was good friends with, or not good, I, because I was friendly with Shane Smith. I don't want to sound like a douche, and I'm not good friends with Shane Smith. He's not. I'm not invited to his wedding. Um, no hard <laughs> feelings. Uh, Pat Shermer runs a true fullback. Like he, like there's no like, oh, maybe Rod Smith could play fullback. Yes, Red Elson will line up in the fullback spot sometimes but we will have a fullback on the roster no matter what patrick has always done that in fact he's even ran two fullbacks on a roster before i probably shouldn't have said that out loud because people will start roasting pat Shermer. like this idiot had two fullbacks on a roster what a moron uh no yeah so obviously uh, luckily we we didn't know each other when shane smith got cut you wouldn't have liked what i said about shane smith but that's in the past oh I, oh oh i'm 100 percent gonna t- twitter search at danny king nfl shane smith <laughs> no i i had some pretty nasty things to say about shane smith both to people i know and online but still either way uh elijah penny i believe in elijah penny him and saquon barkley they got the good chemistry going so i believe the fullback position is still a very vital positions especially with the like of Saquon Barkley because before we had no run game now that we do have a run game you need any bit of protection you could get and Elijah Penny I believe can bring some good protection yeah I'd like to get Penny on for week one that'd be a cool tradition they have like the fullback on for an interview for week one maybe go tweet at Elijah Penny to go follow at Talking Giants um, <laughs> oh by the way just kind of off the wall while I was with my brother today you know, celebrating, celebrating the holiday, Daniel Jones' birthday. And I was like, I was like, Daniel, you have a Twitter account, and he's like, Yeah. Like, I was like, What was it? And I looked it up. And it's always fun to go look at your old tweets. I deleted a bunch of mine, uh, just because, like, just in case we do blow up, I don't, I don't need old tweets coming and biting me, um, biting me in the backside. But it's just funny because he's a Redskins fan, and I was like, Man, you really believed in RG three. Like, <laughs> it's funny to just look back at that stuff. Um, do we have anything else before we move on to the mailbag? Now we covered all the OTA goodness. Let's get into the mail time. All right. First, an ad. All right. So a lot of people are starting podcasts today. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Their creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will, di- will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one play. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You'll be glad you did. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Alright, thanks Steve from Blues Clues. Danny, let's get into the mail. First question comes from at Johnny Jeep Four. He said, "What do you think the possibility possibility is that all the draft choices make the team?" 
Uh, I, I say very high. I mean, the only one that would most likely not make the team, if any of them, is Chris Slayton. But I believe all the draft picks will make the team because that'd be stupid if they cut a draft pick after they just drafted him. Yeah, you know, a lot of times, you, especially well, we had a lot, so I could see one happening. Um, and if it did, I, I like, I don't like. It depends what your definition of cut is. If like, if you mean like practice squad counts as being cut, then yeah, I can see. Like I said, maybe Corn Ballantyne. Like, if he's not moved to safety, I don't see him making the fifty-three, unless he's just like an absolute like maniac on on special teams. But I think with all the corners we have, and you know, you want to run too deep at safety. Uh, obviously, they're not going to. Michael Thomas isn't going anywhere, and you got Peppers and Bethea starting. That battle will be for that fourth safety spot. Um, and there's like there's no one there that impresses me. So I would not be mad that Corey Ball- like Corey Ballantyne or Julian Love goes and plays safety. Chris Slayton maybe, but like we might need him depth wise because let's see the you know on the interior D lineman we got uh, you know obviously Dexter Lawrence, B.J. Hill, uh, R.J. McIntosh. And I am freaking comp- oh Dalvin Thomason, and then and then Chris Slayton, and there might be another guy in there I'm forgetting, but yeah, so he might just be in just just because of sheer volume of numbers. Uh, so yeah, uh, but besides those two guys, I see every other guy uh, being on the team come week one. Uh, just to add that we got John Jenkins, and yeah, that's the only other guy on there. That's yeah, John Jenkins. I I don't I I have not done my John Jenkins homework. I'll be completely honest with you guys. Uh, you're not alone on that. Uh, the next question comes from Ad. We should hey, we should give like a really strong opinion about John Jenkins and <laughs> see if anyone has a reaction because I don't believe anyone knows anything about John Jenkins. I, I mean, of course, there's some John Jenkins stands out there who went to school with him, like me for Shane Smith. But I get you. I bet you there's nobody who's like John Jenkins is the future at defensive line. people are sleeping on this guy. <laughs> I don't think my a John Jenkins tweet like me will get seven hundred likes. I, don't think. I I get I get called a homer and I get called a homer a lot and being like, oh, you're just always positive about everybody. If I were to like put the most glowing like post about John Jenkins, that would just that would put that reputation. For the world. So maybe maybe I'll just rip him the shreds. Just be like John Jenkins, like and even like last night I was looking at John Coe, the uh, defensive lineman for Auburn, who's like supposed to be like a first round talent. And I was like, I don't really like this guy. Like, I and I felt bad like writing a tweet about it. And I can't. It's hard for me to like put video out. Like, hey, this guy sucks. So I'll just put out a tweet without video. <laughs> Any, anyways, all right. Let, I messed up this name last week. Let me. I'm gonna get it right this time. It's at Bruegel underscore Poppy twenty. He asked, with OBJ being gone, is Shep getting paid? Who do you who do you guys think will be Eli's favorite target? I say Sterling Shepard. I believe that. They got a good chemistry between them, and Eli trusted Sterling enough to from the game when a touchdown in the San Francisco game. And another example at the Bears game, Eli trusted Sterling enough to try and from the game when a touchdown grab. It was in the Chicago game, but Eli, it was either Eli threw a little, I think Eli threw a little too far ahead of Sterling Shepard's reach. So I say Sterling Shepard, but if Evan Ingram improves his game, it could 100% be Evan Ingram. I would not be surprised by that. No. Everyone's saying Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard, and I understand why. I'd love for it to be both one of those guys. And I haven't put this information out uh, as of recording this podcast. Uh, it may be out uh, by the time you're listening. I think it's going to be Golden Tate, man. I think people are sleeping on him because when he went to Philly, like his numbers dropped off severely. Like it's hard for a wide receiver to move in with a team, like, you know, at uh, over halfway through the season. And when they're having their QB struggles, 
uh, with Wentz and then moving to Foles. Um, and then Wentz really seemed to focus on Ertz a lot. I really think it'd be Golden Tate. I think this guy has a lot left in the, not a lot left in the tank, but I think he's at least this year. I think he has something to prove, and I think he is going to have. I think he'll be the guy that Eli trusts the most on third down. I mean, his numbers were like in Detroit. He was having like a, a Pro Bowl season while he was in Detroit, and then he went to Philly, and things obviously dropped off severely. He only played 15 games because he was a part of uh, the bye week for the Eagles and the Lions, so he missed out on a game. I, his numbers are good, man, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll have them out on Twitter. Like his target rate, uh, completion per per target rate. I mean. The guy I really think, and he's just that veteran. Uh, and I think, you know, no doubt, I think, believe Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram will have really good years. But I think, and even if they have more yards, I think Golden Tate might be the guy that Eli trusts the most on this team. Uh, no, yeah, I, I 100% agree with your point. The reason why I just didn't say Golden Tate is because, personally, I haven't done enough research in the Golden Tate. Yes, I know who Golden Tate is. We all know how quality of wide receiver he is. I just said Sterling Shepard just because of the, the chemistry already being there. I'm not sure how well the chemistry is being built between Golden Tate and Eli, but I can 100% see Golden Tate being Eli's favorite target this year because Golden Tate has that factor about him that he could bring a team to a whole nother level. And I don't think there's really a clear-cut answer to this question. Obviously, you know, like we don't know what's going to happen, breaking news. But <laughs> you really – you could make a case for Evan Ingram, Golden Tate, and Sterling Shepard, um, and maybe even Corey Coleman. No, not really, but I would love – to like be surprised about that like the guy was a first round talent anyways i'm not going to go on a Corey coleman strand but you could tell me either one of these guys is the number one wide receiver uh and i would not be surprised if you told me golden tate has 100 catches not surprised if you told me uh sterling shepherd has 90 to 100 catches that might surprise me a little bit uh <laughs> but if evan ingram has like 80 ca- like okay put, let me put it this way if any of these like it wouldn't surprise me if any of these guys have over 1100 yards i'll, I'll just leave it at that so yeah, Golden Tate. I I am really excited to see what happens with him this year. Like, and he's he's a great route runner. He's a pro's pro. Um, I think there's if if we are a really good team this year, if we are a team that's competing with the playoffs, and I know people don't like to hear that. But you know what? Screw people that don't like to hear about that. There is an opportunity of that. Um, it obviously all depends on Eli Manning. Uh, he still he still does have the arm talent. It's so you know there's no excuses for Eli this year. No, but no. anyways, for us to have a good year. Golden Tate will have to have a really good year. I understand. No more excuses for Eli. He's been given a gift. We've said this countless times, but yes, Golden Tate, he needs to have a good year because he just needs to prove that he still has it. And as you said, going to Philadelphia really just hurt his production because he had to learn a totally new playbook after learning the one in Detroit. So Yeah, I and agree. I mean, anytime you go to scumbag Philly, you're going to be worse off that, as a that, person that, that is a thing as well. Like, going to Philadelphia, it really takes a lot out of you. So that's why Nick Foles got out of there because he said, I won one Super Bowl for this team, and now they don't need me anymore because they're trash. All right, next question comes from Ad Riddle D. Do. He asks, if you weren't to pick Daniel Jones – or Josh Allen at six, who would you have picked? Uh, Bobby, I'm going to send this one to you because this question is really getting my brain going. Yeah, because like those top defensive linemen talent were gone, you know, with Josh Allen, uh, Quentin Williams, uh, Joey Bosa, uh, even Cleveland Farrell was gone. Nick and Bosa. Obviously, uh, Nick, yeah, Nick Bosa. I really love this kid, the offensive tackle out of Alabama, Jonah Williams. I really think he's going to be a top five tackle. And that's me. That's me, like pulling back a little bit. I really like him. I don't understand why he wasn't. Uh, actually, he was the tenth overall pick, so he was picked high. But I, I don't understand why he wasn't talked about like tackles and pass drafts. I mean, he just he did everything right. Maybe he's not like 
I haven't. It's been a while since I looked at his, you know, his report. It's been I feel like the draft's been like two years ago, but I was so impressed with him. Uh, I, he does everything technically sound. He's he's just a student of the game, and I I really think he reminds me of Joe Thomas. And I don't like to just throw that out there. I really like Jonah Williams to tackle out of Alabama. I think he went to Cincinnati, right? Uh, yeah, he went to Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati. Yeah, I was thinking like for a second, I'm like, wait, where did he go? Uh, yeah, I had to go uh, Jonah Williams because my favorite guy. Uh, Devin White was already taken by this point, so I would have to go Jonah Williams as well, just because I believe he's a more solid uh, build and block, because Mike Remmers is probably just a one-and-off done deal at right tackle. And so... And, and, and wait, was, is, sorry, is, Jonah Williams, is Jonah Williams a right or a left tackle? He He's right, or, or is he left? Left. He, he'll play left. He might play right at... Actually, no, he, he like insisted on playing left, because a lot of people said, like, hey, maybe he'll be a right tackle. But he kind of insisted at playing left with Cincinnati, so maybe that would have been weird. Been like moving, like, "Hey, Nate, this guy will not play right tackle," <laughs> even though, even though I bet you he would have willingly played right tackle for the Giants. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, what was the point I was going to be made? Dang it, Danny! Uh, you done it again. Oh man, I just had a, <laughs> such a good point. Oh, he, this was what is. I know a lot of people say you just draft the best player available in the in the early rounds. I'm the complete opposite. Now, you don't want to reach, and I know people are going to be like, well, they reach for Daniel Jones. Oh, no. um, uh, but I actually believe in picking for need in the first round. Uh, you know, because, like, like the Jets, like, they just picked Quentin Williams. Like, I don't know how good Leonard Williams is, but, like, that, you can't tell me that won't be – I don't – actually, I don't know what the Jets even run defensively. Maybe they'll, they run a 4-3 and they'll work out fine. But, anyways, I, I do believe picking for need in the first round, and I believe in the later rounds – is where you pick for ta- like you just pick best available, which is why I wasn't mad at us drafting all those corners. So yeah, I I, I actually believe in the philosophy of picking for need um, in the first and second round. Yeah, it, it's whatever the team thinks. Obviously, the Giants most likely drafted a need when they drafted a uh, Daniel Jones because if they wanted like a want, uh, Josh Allen was their guy. I believe Daniel Jones was a need, but it was also a want because. They truly love Daniel Jones, but they also needed to find Elijah replacement. They yeah. got a pretty good shot at it. Uh, the next question comes from uh, Coach T-O-B-C-N-Y-C. He says, how much does Shermer have to improve in play calling for the Giants' offense to take off? He made some blunders at times last year. Uh, I mean, Wait, what's Mike Shula part of this team anyway? Does he make any play calls, or is he just there? Just no, he's a sense, he's a QB it? coach with a better title. All right. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I personally, yeah. This, Pat Sherman, did he have some blunders? Yes, but we also have to also look at Eli because he made some questionable choices. I remember one specifically. It was the Atlanta game. And we, I don't even know what quarter it was, but I remember Odell Becker Jr. was wide open, and Eli, for some reason, did not throw to Odell, or he wasn't even looking at Odell, and Pat Sherman was like on the sideline like saying Odell's open or pass to Odell. So and Pat Sherman, I feel like he had some good play calls. He used the trick plays, especially the one from Odell uh, from Eli to Odell, then Odell threw to Saquon. Juan and then Odell to uh, Russell Shepard. Yes, I'm saying Odell Beckham Jr., but Odell was the quarterback on those plays. So he used the trick plays well and timed them perfectly, and it really brought some life into the team. We saw it in both the Chicago game and the Carolina game. Yes, one ended much differently than the other. But I believe Pat Shermer, I, I believe he's a quality play caller. And now that him and Eli are like really well like acquainted with each other, I feel like it will only improve this year. And I believe he'll just improve all around. 
I think this year is going to tell a lot about Pat Shermer. And I like Pat Shermer. I liked him more than the other people that were uh, suggested for the job, whether it was Matt Patricia or uh, Jim Schwartz, the scumbag defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. I, it's hard to say because the offensive line was bad last year because we were conservative in our play calling, and it was aggravating at times, and I get the offensive line was bad. But now the offensive line is at least going to be decent. And, like, you can't just – you can't – like, a lot of teams don't have great – you can't just always have a great offensive line to win. Obviously, it's a huge part. Like, it, I think it is the most important, like, position group besides quarterback on the field, obviously. But, like, you're not always going to have – like, the Super Bowl winning team is not going to have the best offensive line every year. We need to be more aggressive. So, I don't know. It's hard – you know, they'll never admit who that was more on last year whether it was Eli being too ultra-conservative or if it was Pat Shermer beating into Eli's brain to be conservative. And I think it kind of been, could have been a mi- – I think it might have been a mix of both. I think Pat Shermer was like, hey, we're going to dink and dunk and be conservative. Um, obviously, it was Saquon on the running back. But I think I got to a point where it's like Eli – like because Eli is a very coachable coach or player where he might have taken that to like too much of a degree. And Eli obviously didn't want to get lit up last year. He – you know, his, the self-sacks – were worse than last year, and that's not even like a, a huge like you know like oh this bum like I just like I think if you watch you saw that his self set like he wasn't willing to take the big hits that he was in the past. I'm not even blaming him for that, but yeah we'll have we have to be more aggressive this year. We have three guys who can make plays, and Ingram, Shepard, uh, and Tate, um, and maybe even Coleman, and then Saquon like running the ball with a better offensive line. There's no excuse for us to not be more aggressive this year. No, no, I agree 100% right there. Next question comes from at Julian Torres 8. He said, do you... Oh, believe- sorry. I, I hate to interrupt, but hey, uh, Coach uh, TBNYC, ¿Cómo estás, hermano? All right, sorry. He, he's my Spanish guy. I love him. All right, that, uh, I shouldn't have interrupted you for that. I know, Rob. Uh, Julian Torres 8, he asked, do you believe in Daniel Jones and think Eli can be at least a solid starter QB? We'll answer the first part of your question very simply. Yes, we, we believe Daniel Jones. We 100% believe in what he brings to the table. We all know Bobby believes in him. We're also celebrating Daniel Jones' birthday today. Once again, happy birthday, Daniel Jones. 22 touchdowns in the air last year on his 22nd birthday just worked out perfectly. Um <laughs> Hopefully on his 38th birthday, we'll be doing the same thing. <laughs> and uh, do we think Eli can be at least, at least a, a – I forgot English there. Do we think Eli can be at least a solid starting QB? Yeah, as long as he takes advantages of the gifts he's been given with the offense, Saquon Barkley, Sean Shepard, Corey Coleman, uh, Golden Tate, and uh, Evan Ingram. Uh, yes, he should be at least a solid starting QB unless Eli just has like a – a dramatic fall off a cliff season and just throws interceptions left, right, and center. Uh, yes, Eli should be a, a, sol- a solid starting QB. Yeah, obviously everyone knows where I stand on Daniel Jones. I'm probably like the most positive guy out there on him. Eli, the arm talent's still there. Like if the arm talent's gone, that's when it's like a huge thing. Uh, but yeah, like this year is it's not make or break. He's 38 years old. But like I like like I said in the last question. Eli has no excuse this year, so he better he better be competent this year. Yeah, he he really has, as as we said many times, no excuses for Eli this year. Uh, next question is from at Jake Roberts two two two. He has two questions. The first question is, uh, which two games are you most excited for this year? Uh, first you do guess- one, and then I'll do one, and then you do one, and then I'll do one. All right, uh, that's MetLife Bowl, aka the Snoopy Bowl. 
but it's now MetLife Bowl. Just because of that inter arena rivalry between us and the Jets, I just want to absolutely crush the Jets because the last time we played them and end on a heartbreak field goal. So I need the satisfaction of revenge. Yeah, and it's always nice to have that because we only play once every four years. And like you said, like we gave that game away um, four years ago. So I guess 2016. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm bad at counting. Anyways. And then the one before that was the Victor Cruz 99-yard touchdown. So, Super Bowl year. So, yeah, that's a big one. Uh, the first one I'll say is – now, these ones are going to be very biased. The Bucks game, because I'll be there. And I have a lot of friends who are Bucks fans, and they are – like, they are actually surprisingly obnoxious. So, I <laughs> want to beat them. So, yeah, the Bucks would be probably the one the, – the most biased one for me. Um, what would be your second one? Uh, another obvious one is the New England Patriots game because uh, this will be the last time Eli Manning and Tom Brady match up with each other. Besides but, uh, the Super Bowl. Super, Super Bowl, yes. I was just about to say that because the Patriots are both going to be in the Super Bowl. It's going to be the last regular season matchup because then we're going to go to the Super Bowl and beat them there. But just, yeah, that storyline, it's gonna it's on Thursday Night Football, so it's going to be like one of the hype games. Be like, oh, the final chapter, question mark, but we'll be in the Super Bowl, so we'll see them then. But that's my second most hyped game for this year. Yeah, I really wish that game wasn't on Thursday night because I feel like that game needs like a whole week of like preparation. Like, like, like Sunday night, Sunday night or Monday night football. Yeah, it's such an important game. Like I know maybe it's just us as Giants fans, but like that's a really important game to us because there is so much hit. Like, like whether you like it or not, Tom Brady and Eli Manning like legacies are like intermingled. So that would be a big one for me. I'd probably pick that one if you didn't. But I will say, and this is another one personal bias. I'm actually excited for the Bills game because. I won't go into the whole story, but I absolutely hate Bills Mafia. I think they are the worst people in the world, and I used to love them. I like I used to, and I still love t- table jumping videos. But to keep the story short, on Silverman, I shared a clip of uh, Josh Allen against the the Dolphins last year, where he underthrew the game winning pass to Charles Clay. And I mean, these people are the nastiest people online that there is. Just because I just said he like bad pass, and these people are threatening my lives. Sending me the most like rude things in the world, and the craziest thing about Bills Mafia is usually those things are like burner accounts, like like they don't have real pictures and whatnot. These people had like pictures with their like wife and kids, and it was like uh, real estate uh, uh, manager of real estate. I was like, oh my gosh, these people are absolute psychos. So Bills Mafia beating them, I'm gonna rub that in so much. And now the Bills Mafia, they'll put another one, one of their fans through a table because traditions. That's oh, what goes on at Buffalo. Listen, hey, I just want be ready for those people who are like loyal followers, loyal listeners of ours. Be ready to go to war with me that week because I am like, you call me petty or whatnot. I'm going to go at Bills Mafia's throat that week. Uh, I'll be going to war because I'm the co-host of the show, so I always got to defend <laughs> I, my. Danny, I can't <laughs> wait till the season until you have to like get in my nasty mud with me. I mean, don't worry. I get uh, disgusting during the season. It's it's inappropriate for me. Uh, the final question. I got two questions, but one of the final questions is actually from me. This could be a surprise for Bobby. Uh, he said, "At it's another at Jake Roberts two two two. He asked, who will be the best offensive and defensive lineman this year? Uh, offensive lineman. Uh, I'm not gonna say Kevin Will Hernandez because that's an obvious choice. I'm gonna say Kevin Zeidler just because um, he's coming to a new system and he has probably the one of the no the greatest running back playing the game right now in his backfield. So Kevin Zeidler for offensive lineman at defensive lineman. 
Uh, I'll say Dalvin Tomlinson because he's feeling the pressure of Dexter Lawrence right now. Yeah, that Dalvin Tomlinson post you did earlier, like there's one of those clips, man. Like, wow, man. Like, and I get, I get it. it's highlights, so it's you know, yeah. they're gonna look good. But man, he was quick off the ball. Like, I, like those, those made me more excited for Dalvin Tomlinson uh, on the offensive line. I, I think Kevin Zeitler would probably be the right answer, but I'm gonna say Will Hernandez. Become a beast this year, man. Be a baller. Like, be a nasty, mean sob. Be a bamf. If you played offensive line, you know what a bamf is. B A M F. Figure it out, folks. Do it, man. Prove everyone like that you are that guy. Be a baller. Be a beast. Be all pro. Be a pro bowler. Will Hernandez. Prove it this year, baby. I'm hyped. I love talking about offensive linemen. Uh, yeah, we all know you do, Bobby. But uh, what's, uh, also, just a little quick promo of uh, however many days. Uh, every day I'm going to be breaking down a tape on a, a veteran or free agent on the team. So make sure to follow me at Danny King NFL. I'll be putting up some tape, uh, either highlights, videos, whatever I can find. I'll be putting up some opinions on it, some stats. So make sure you tune tuning in for that on my Twitter. Today was Dallas yeah. Tomlinson, as we said. But... Uh, by the way, this next it's a fi- it's a final question. Uh, I posted this on Twitter. It was David Bakhtiari, the Packers' uh, offensive lineman, at the Bucks game, chugging a beer. And I I want to ask you this question: Who do you think of the Giants' offensive lineman will be our David Bakhtiari of chugging beer? Man, I can't believe I forgot about that. Now, maybe I I don't want to limit the the starters because my answer would not be a starter. Ooh. I'm going to go with a wild card. He is an undrafted rookie free agent out of the University of Buffalo. He's short, and he's fat. His name is James O'Hagan. That boy got an Irish last name. He's got that Irish red (laughs) hair. His dad follows me on Twitter because I said some positive things about him. James O'Hagan, baby. I know that man can chug a beer. I I just Every ounce of me knows that that guy can chug a beer. Um, If you don't know who he is, go look him up. I think this guy can make the roster as a backup center. James O'Hagan is it for me. And yeah. so who, who would it be for you, though? That's actually a good call. He's Irish. He's got it in him. But uh, I'm not going to say Nate Solder because I feel like Nate, he's, he, he's a very classy man. He's a very religious man. So I would see Nate Solder being a David Bakhtiari. Uh, I'm not going to say Kevin Zeiler. That could be a good call. I'm going to say Will Hernandez. He seems like that type of guy. Like, he will defend you to the end of the earth. Heck, he even got into a fight with uh, Snacks in training camp. That's how much of a baller this guy is. And as you said, he needs to be a bam. So I'm going to say Will Hernandez just because he seems like that type of guy. And he seems like a fun guy to hang out with. Also, well, and you know Will Hernandez? Like, he like wears the beer on his chest. Like, he's walking oh, yeah. around the party just soaking yeah. wet. Yeah. Chugging, like, eight beers in a row. You know that boy is that. It's, like, it's just, like, all over him. He's sweating. That's, no, that's yeah. why I like that guy. No, yeah, and also this is a part two of the question. We saw Aaron Rodgers at least attempt to do it. How poorly do you think Eli would do? I think Eli would ball, baby. People forget <laughs> Eli got arrested at Old Miss in his freshman year. People <laughs> do forget that. Eli can chug. I bet you Peyton can <laughs> chug. I know those boys can't. Aaron Rodgers is so soft, bro. Butter soft. That's why we beat them in the playoffs that one year. Even though they beat us the last time in the playoffs, we're not going to bring that up. I think Eli can really chug, and uh, that's not bias. Now, I don't think Daniel Jones could chug a beer like Eli could. No, yeah. Well, obviously, us talking about Eli getting arrested at college for chugging a beer, he's definitely not coming on this show anytime soon. But I saw someone make say Eli, all he do is chug a glass of milk. It's like, come on, don't do Eli like that. He can. He, I believe in Eli, so I'll root for him if the day ever came for that. I know Eli could chug. I bet you he could. I bet you he's the fastest beer chugger in the NFC East. <laughs> Dwayne Haskins can't beat him. 
Alex Smith, we know he can't beat him. Uh, Carson Wentz, we know he can't beat him. Dak Prescott, yeah, right. Last time you got chugging a beer, you got knocked out in Panama City. <laughs> Look that up if you don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're, we are such a – this is why you listen to this podcast. Which offensive lineman could chug a beer for the Giants? You should, Yeah, pit that out. Like, tweet at us, at Talking Giants, like, like, and explain why. Don't just be like, at Talking Giants, Nate Solder. <laughs> no, yeah, you got you to gotta tell us because we're not going to – we just seem like crazy people for dedicating a whole however many minutes we just talked about which offensive lineman could chug a beer the quickest. I always think, like, like on shows like this, like, man, we're not going to be able to, like, talk enough, and then we end up, like, going long. <laughs> um, so is that it for questions? Yes, that's it for questions. All right. I'd say it was a better show than I was expecting. It's one of those things where I, I was expecting this to not be a great show. And I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say it was great, but I think it was good enough for nothing going on. Um, if the audio sucked, I apologize. Someone did DM me and be like, hey, your guys' audio sucks. Fix it. Um, but also, good job. So, like, I love that. Like, I, if, like, <laughs> I love, like if you're just going to be like, uh, you suck, like, okay, I don't want that. But, like, serious negative feedback, like, yes, I know our audio is not great. Uh, that it will be better by the time the season starts, hopefully before that. Um, but things cost money, and so tell your friends about the podcast. So we get more downloads, more money, and we'll get better equipment, baby. Um, until then, we'll just be good, and then we'll get better stuff. Um, we'll go high class on you. We'll we'll be sellouts with the best equipment in the world. Yeah, we we need obviously we all know we need better equipment. I'm using a, a headphone microphone. But to me, it's good to me, all right? I love hopefully, my headphone microphone. Hopefully we get big, and then you know how like people are like, oh, like that guy, he gets paid by the team. Yeah. Pay me. Pay me, Giants. I'll say whatever you want if you pay me. <laughs> I, I will never say anything bad about you again. I will uh, prove of every decision you make if you pay us, Giants, please. I'll, I'll be Carl Banks if you want me to, Giants. Just pay me. <laughs> Anyways. Um, all right, I think that's a show. Hey, if you like what you see or like what you hear, do all that stuff. I don't want to. I'm going to stop asking at the end of every episode because then it gets repetitive. And then, like every like maybe fifth or sixth, like hey, maybe do it. It's called mind games, folks. Catch up. Anyways, good show. We'll see you guys on Friday, unless something crazy happens, and we'll do an emergency episode. But uh, make sure to follow along with us as we cover OTAs and whatnot until until Friday, folks. I almost said stay. I almost said stay simple. My simple man radio call out. But until Friday, let's go big blue. <laughs>